Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Batter Listeners, welcome back to A Pod of Their Own. This is episode 125 of A Pod of Their Own. I am Allison McCaig, and I am joined this week by my lovely co-hosts, Linda Sarovich. Hello, Linda. Hey, Allison. And Kellyanne Healy. Hello, Kellyanne. Hello, Allison. Hello, Linda. Hello. Hello. <laughs> we finally have Kellyanne back on the pod this week. It's been a long time since we've had Kellyanne on the pod, but here she how, is for you. How long? Has it, been, has it really been that it's- long? been like a month yeah I was, I was gonna say I think it's a month oh goodness gracious me I didn't really see time is is unstructured nonsense I can't actually even remember the phrase right now when you're in grad school time is meaningless <laughs> that's time it. Is a flat circle time is a flat circle that was the one I was Here we looking go. for unstructured nonsense is good though I like that better yeah <laughs> um, it is unstructured nonsense <laughs> <laughs> it's a human construct um it is which means it's unstructured nonsense <laughs> but um, so I guess the uh, the biggest piece of Mets news at the moment is that the injuries have arrived for the New York Mets. <laughs> um, it was funny because when James McCann's injury was first announced, I was having a conversation on my phone um, on my on the phone with my dad about it. And he was like, usually when this happens with the Mets, it happens in waves. So here's hoping it's not like the first of like several injuries. Oh, no. <laughs> Um, but, um, yeah, so the first one was James McCann. Uh, we found out that he has a fractured hamate bone and he'll be out 
about six weeks. Um, and he got surgery, I think today or yesterday, um, to fix it. Um, it was interesting because he was dealing with a sore wrist for a couple of days and wasn't in the lineup. And the key, like I knew he was hurt because Tomas Nito caught the day game after a night game. And I was like, Hmm, wonder what's happening with James McCann here. Um, and then it turned out like two days later, they were like, well, he has a fractured hammy. Um, but he was even saying like, Oh, it's just a sore wrist. I'll be back in a couple of days. No, no, no. Um, as it turns out, it was a pretty severe injury, um, which is not good. I mean, I know that James McCann hasn't really been hitting, but it's the Mets don't have a good catching situation because now Tomas Nito is your primary catcher. Patrick Mazika is your backup catcher. And if either of them so much as get a scrape, we are screwed. <laughs> like I mean, big time screwed. I, yeah. We're reaching critical levels as it is here. Like Tomas Nito is getting regular at bats. Yeah. Like, I mean, you're, you're not gonna, good. I think what the next person on the depth chart is Alvarez and you don't want to bring him up this early while he's, they're not going to do it. They, they no. would literally, I, I think, think they already said, I think that they would literally get someone from outside the organization before they would promote Francisco Alvarez. And I agree with that. But who <laughs> <I> do you? <laughs> well, I, I agree like a hundred percent, but who? I mean, like, uh, I'm, gonna, like, I'm looking right now, you know, they, I mean, last season that was chance Cisco, right? They did that. And he actually like played in a couple games. Um, so they, they would get, they would probably get someone like that. Um, just literally a random veteran catcher. Who's like still kicking around um in the minor leagues for some team they would like do like a cash considerations trade and get him um i think they should do that now already said he's not available yeah yeah someone uh, i mean like i (laughs) and renee rivera too he said he's yeah both um uh uh, our fr- friend of the pod, Abigail, tweeted at um, Devin Mezzarocco and asked him what he's up to. And he's just like, he was just like, he was just like, I'm gardening. I think I'm good, but I'm happy for Mets fans. I'm happy that the Mets are having a good season. And it was very sweet and wholesome. Seriously, Mets did Mezzarocco burn, dirty and he's really? still just such a nice guy. It's like- <laughs> very dirty. I mean, let's just like I'm looking there's Sean Gomes, Pena. Yeah, yes, like Severino, Suzuki. They could have just I, gotten Jan Gomes. I know. Yeah. Or JT Ray Muta. <gasps> Chance Cisco's on this list. Yeah, literally Chance Cisco. Oh um, I mean, Christian Bethencourt, Jose Lobatone, Wilson Ramos. Oh, yeah, like, we already had the Lobatone experiment. Yeah, like these random guys. <laughs> there's always one like that. So, like, they, they're, they might have to legit do that because... They're not going to promote Francisco Alvarez. And the only other option in the organization is Hayden Sanger, who's also in double A. And he's like, they're like, uh, I think Amazing Avenue ranked ranked him as the like 11th best Mets prospect heading into the season. But he's also like both of them are equally not hitting at double A. So neither of them are ready. Um, Francisco Alvarez is even younger than Hayden Sanger, but neither of them are ready for the big leagues. It would be malpractice to promote either of them. Yes. So, yeah, point being, the Mets catching situation is pretty dire at this point. Um, Like, you know, obviously, and I guess I'm like sort of skipping ahead in the show notes here, but it kind of flows. Um, Patrick Mazika, like picked up right back where he left off from last season, which was pretty amazing. Um, Mazika magic is back in action. Uh, He literally hit a go ahead homer in Saturday's game. 
um, that ended up being the difference in the game uh, in that comeback win. And then he was part of the ninth inning rally in Sunday's game where they almost came back again. They they fell just short that time, but Mazika was right in the middle of it. He hit a single. Um, so it's been amazing. Uh, and, you know, it's funny to have this cult hero status, but um, he did struggle catching Chris Bassett. Uh, yeah, it was so bad. I didn't it, see it, it was, but I it heard. No, it was watch. it was rough. Um, but again, it was like he was kind of pulled up immediately, and and like they were uh, saying, like Bassett has a lot of pitches you have to learn, and and like to mash them together like immediately like that. That's like I can. It, it was, was a nightmare was, scenario. It was a night. Yeah, it was a nightmare scenario. And hopefully, the next time they are in tandem together, it will be better. That's the yeah, that's such a rough first assignment to hand Mazika. It's like, here yeah. you go. Here's this veteran who has like 19 types of pitches. Good luck. And like YOLO, you know, that that's kind of crappy. I understand why, like they kind of had to do it because Nito can only catch so many games in a row. Like you can't just make Nito catch every single day. Like Mazika has to catch some time. But I feel like that was a, that was not a good uh, that was not good timing for the first Patrick Mazika start behind the plate because you had Chris Bassett. And I think that like, I think that basically with Bassett and Scherzer, you kind of have to have them throw to Nito all the time um, because they're going to like pitch a fit. Yeah. He was getting pissed. You could, I mean, he didn't, he kind of like brushed it off in the post game and was like, Oh, I was happy. He hit the whole run and you know, like, but I mean, he, he was, he was getting, I mean, like, I like ice like isolating it to the game like in that moment I can see like why he would be frustrated but like and then oh yeah I don't blame him at all in the game and I'm like it's glad that that kind of didn't tip over into the um post game interview like he kind of isolated it to hey this is the game this is what I was feeling and then brushes it off afterward yeah I get I get why he will be and hopefully will work with him in between that and his next start. Yeah, I get why he was pissed. I understand it, but it's still kind of like, I don't know. I get it, but like, it's kind of crappy to like do that to Patrick Mazzica. Like he's trying his best and you're out here like throwing your hands up and like making him look really bad. And like, I don't know, to me, that's kind of mean. (laughs) I mean, again, it's rough, but it's such like, I I think it's just like, to me, become more noticeable just because of how Scherzer's attitude is like, during his like game time frame versus when he's not pitching. Yep. Yep. It's exactly. Just that, yeah. Like tunnel vision of emotions. So of course it's- he's going to be pissed in the game. Is it like frustrating and irritating to kind of watch him do that um, on TV? Yes. But at the same time, it's a very in the moment emotion. So I'm not like, I'm not taking anything long-term. No, not like I'm taking it as an in-game reaction. Well, and also, I don't know if pissed is the right word, because even like Gary, Keith and Ron were talking about and they were they were saying he's frustrated. And that's more what it was like. They said he likes to like, you know, you need that rhythm with your catcher. And Mm -hmm. basically he he was the one that ended up having to call his own game. Yeah, it's so like he, he it was just I think he also just got overwhelmed at one point, like. Because in the second inning, they had the bases loaded and it kind of like fell apart. And then after that, he kind of got back on track. So, um, 
Yeah, and I don't know if he was pissed. It was more just like, I just want this fixed. I want to like, you know, yeah. he wants to pitch a good game. And, you know, and that was kind of like hindering him. So, And I mean, credit to Bassett. He did pitch a good game. He the did. results yeah. in the end were there, despite the fact that, you know, a combination of not probably not having his best command and Mizika having a rough night behind the plate and framing and stuff like that resulted in, you know, I think it was three or four walks and two hit by pitches yeah. um, on the part of Bassett. Despite that, he still delivered the results. He only gave up one run in like five and two thirds. And mostly he just had to throw a lot of extra pitches so he couldn't go deep into the game. But the Mets ended up winning the game. And so he gutted through it. And that's that says a lot about both of them. Um, and obviously Mizika had the magical moment um, but yeah, please don't let, uh, at Buck Showalter at Mets, please do not let our, uh, magical walk-off son, uh, catch Max Scherzer ever because Scherzer <laughs> might legit <laughs> might kill him. him. No. And then we will not, no longer have any catchers. So or at, or at least, or at least <laughs> let him work with Scherzer for like two months before putting them together. Yeah, yeah. And just let him go on just, the IL murdered. <laughs> I think that Scherzer, like Scherzer didn't even really, yeah. <laughs> Patrick Mazika to IL. IL dead. Throttled <laughs> by Max Scherzer. <laughs> Um, I think that, um, I think that Scherzer prefers throwing to Nito regardless. And he didn't really throw to McCann. The, no. Actually, the only time he threw to McCann was the time, like the only time he took a loss this season. So I think that experiment's <laughs> no. over too. Um, I think Nito is like essentially Max Scherzer's personal catcher at this point anyway. Um, Nito's mine and nobody else can have him. Yeah. So I think that Except. maybe, Except. maybe let Nito catch Scherzer and Bassett and then like, mix in Mizika with like it, the Carlos Carrasco seems like a little more chill when it comes yeah. to the veteran yeah. guys seems a little more chill a little less intense than the other two so maybe he can maybe <laughs> he, can he can, get away with it with and him. he like throws a typical arsenal for a starter like he has yeah. like the usual pitches that starting pitchers have so I think maybe he would be an easier assignment um I was going to say, or Tyler McGill, except I did. I did patting myself on the back for that one. Um, I'm going to go cry in the corner. Excuse me. Yeah. Uh, resident, uh, you know, resident Tyler McGill, Stan uh, Kellyanne is very upset about this, as, as are we all. <laughs> Um, but Tyler McGill is on the injured list with biceps inflammation, um, no. which is not good. <laughs> Luckily, the MRI, unlike, you know, when Jacob deGrom got an MRI, when, you know, when uh, t uh, uh, when Trevor May got an MRI, the MRI did not reveal anything more serious because I was nervous about this because Trevor May went on the IL with biceps soreness slash inflammation. And then it was one, one of those stress reactions. So I was like, oh God, does Tyler McGill also have a stress reaction? Are um, they contagious? Like, yeah, is right? like, we don't know. It's such a weird injury. And, and to have like three Mets go down in a row with it would have just been too much. But luckily, at least, you know, initially it seems like images did not reveal anything more serious than inflammation. Um, so that's good. Uh, it means that there's no like super concerning underlying injury here. Um, but his timetable for return is kind of unclear, just probably until the inflammation goes down, it doesn't hurt for him to throw anymore. Um, 
So as of right now, he's on the 15 day dial. So it's at least 15 days that he will miss 15 day dial <laughs> 15 day. Uh-oh. Well, I was, I was trying to say, I know IL, but I started to say DL. DL. And so it ended up being <laughs> dial a nice Freudian slip. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sorry. So, uh, his timetable for return is unclear. Um, that's not good. Uh, obviously he had been filling in very admirably in the rotation for Jacob deGrom until his most recent outing, which was horrific, but obviously clearly injury was playing a role here. Um, the Mets had said, you know, the Mets had said like, maybe he was tipping his pitches and it's like, well, clearly no, he was just hurt. Um, so it's not good, but David Peterson's also been good this year. And, you know, the Mets obviously had um, because David Peterson pitched in AAA on Friday, he could not slot in immediately when uh, when McGill's spot came up in the rotation. So Trevor Williams made a spot start in game one of this doubleheader that's happening as we record this on Tuesday night. And Trevor Williams, you know, pitched well and the Mets won that game. Um, so that's good. But next rotation through, I assume that David Peterson will rejoin the rotation. And that's sort of like, you know, I, I mean, David Peterson and Tyler McGill are very different pitchers, but I consider them sort of the same like level of pitcher, if that makes sense. So I don't feel like it's like a huge loss, but it is, it is from the perspective of like, like James McCann is a huge loss. Now you're literally at the bottom of the barrel of the pitching depth on May 17th. Like it's not good. Well, they did. They said, McGill shouldn't be out that long. Uh, I don't trust that. Yeah. I mean, I trust nothing. Yeah. I trust nothing either. (laughs) The fact that the MRI was clean is good. Um, that's, that's good news for him potentially returning sooner rather than later, but it also means that we don't know what's causing this. Um, Mm. so it kind of leaves things open ended and very unclear. Um, I am hoping that, you know, well, his mom tweeted that he's fine. <laughs> he's not going to die. League source uh, or a player source, Julie McGill uh, tweeted that, uh, you mom. know, uh, nothing, uh, nothing super concerning. He, he'll be fine. She everybody. <laughs> she, she is a ray of sunshine. She's very online, Tyler McGill's Just mom. don't check her likes, Kellyanne. Never. No, don't look at her likes. I won't look at her likes. Well, I'm not on Twitter that much, so. Mm. I peek sometimes through the the, the pod account, but other well, than yeah, that. Well, yeah, but yeah, we were suspected you of the burner account. The, yeah, that was your last episode when it was me, you, and Maggie. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> why I keeps you of having a burner. That's why. That's why I went underground. That's yeah. why I haven't been on. Kellyanne's oh. burner. <sighs> you did. We're going to find the burner. You try your damnedest (laughs) do that oh my gosh just for a game break there have been three walks in a row yes and the bases are loaded for the mets with one for eduardo escobar Escobar, who who hit hit a a home home run run earlier this game who hit a home run already which is good he needed to because he's been deep 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 in a big slump which and was brian and happy bias it's available i mean both but it's funny that both home runs in this game have come from players that have not been teammates of Matt's at some point. Yeah. Yeah. True. I just more really wanted Javi by the Tigers are bad. Can we trade for bias again? Again? Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we could, uh, I don't know if we want to give up, uh, an equivalent of, uh, Pete, Pete Crow Armstrong, Pete Armstrong yeah. again. Yeah. I don't oh, know what the equivalent you. would be who no. like, 
I, well, they don't have, they don't have no, any more yeah. of those. Um, you can't give up Francisco Alvarez. Nope. Not, yeah. Fern's yeah, empty. I can mean, we, like, no, can we not cut any like other prospects? We're not right trading now? any more prospects. No, they're not can't. trading for hobby Um, <laughs> as much as I want them to. But, uh, so the other, but the the positive injury news that we got today was that um, we had we got an update on Jacob Degrom. Was uh, it? I don't know what it was. <laughs> I think it was positive. Okay. I, I think it was. Um, I mean, they're being purposefully vague and there was some debate about this in Amazing Adam Slack about whether that's like, I don't know, not a good thing. That's like mischaracterizing what we were saying, but like whether it's like them disguising bad news with trying to make it good or if it's actually good or they're being vague because it's like they're trying to cover something up or not. Um, I don't, I mean, my personal opinion is that this is good news. Um, they, they, uh, the exact wording, uh, of the announcement from the Mets was that Jacob deGrom got another MRI yesterday that revealed quote, continued healing in the scapula. And Billy Epler said that Jacob deGrom's MRI quote, looked pretty clean and he's been cleared to move back further and throw harder. So right now he's throwing at 75 feet on flat ground. He has yet to throw off a mound, but they're saying that there's enough healing in the scapula that he is going to continue to progress in his throwing program. Now, personally, if I, I, this might be me giving way too much credit to the literal New York Mets who probably shouldn't get the benefit of the doubt for anything, but I think that they wouldn't be progressing him in a throwing program if like his MRI was not actually clean. That's <laughs> true. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm just, I hear the word shut down. So I mean, I mean, I'm taking it, it. I'm not taking it positively or negatively. It's just, it is. That's what it is. Yeah. It's basically like he's progressing how you thought he would. Like, yes. I don't think it's that it's like, like, it's, it's like he's on the track. He's not progressing. He's not it's not positive in the sense that, oh, he's healing much faster than we thought. And it's not negative as in, oh, he had a it's, setback. It's just, it's it's like just an update. Pretty neutral update. Um, but uh, uh, Epler also noted that he's the other thing that I found interesting is that Epler noted that he's deferring to team doctors on whether DeGrom will require another MRI, like more follow up images as he ramps up. So I kind of took that as a pretty big positive, even though it's like probably was sort of a throwaway comment, but the fact that they're considering not even taking more images makes me think that like, he's pretty much good to go. Um, uh, But I like that he's shut him down or yeah, shut down and set back are probably the two words you don't want to hear. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I also think I like that. He's just like, here, I'm not going to say anything. I'm deferring to the doctors. Yeah, that's all. Yeah. Um, I mean, as far as what this means for his timetable, um, I don't think that uh, this like this update that they gave today about the MRI really changes anything about his timetable. Anthony uh, DeComo reported yesterday that he remains, quote, at least a month away from return and will require three to five minor league rehab assignments before returning. Um, and you know, if the MRI is clean, he'll rejoin, he'll like ramp up throwing, rejoin the team in New York. Once he's throwing off a mound and throwing bullpens, it's clear that the Mets are trying to be cautious with him. Um, the timetable that DeComo gave in the piece last night was like a, like a, like latish June return would be like optimistic. And then like at like the earliest and then like 
possibly maybe early July, like kind of that time frame. And I don't think that anything about this update with the MRI today that came after the Tacoma article really changes that timeline. Um, I mean, I was always expecting after the like almost probably immediately after the all star break was always my thought. But yeah, yeah. I would love to have him back like in exactly a month because in a month, well, not exactly a month, but a month almost month um it's my birthday on the on june 20th so it'd be nice to have him back for my birthday and his birthday is the end and his birthday yeah his birthday is the day before mine yeah yeah but i mean at least by then reiterate that um the mets did not score and chris bryant was available this offseason yeah right um eduardo escobar struck out with the bases loaded and and mcneil popped out yep So not taking advantage of bases loaded opportunity, not good. Um, Just like they did on Sunday. I know. Oh, please don't even talk to me about that at bat. Really annoying. Um, But yeah, so I think, I mean, at least in a month, if he's not back, we will at least have like much greater clarity about how soon he will be back at that point. Um, Miss Jake, it's not the same. Yeah, it, I I really miss him too. It'll be it'll be a kick-ass rotation once he's back in it. Like dang, like ha- like it's just gonna be incredible. Um, I can't wait for it. I hope, please, no one else get hurt <laughs> before then, please. Put or after then, wrap. like please. I mean, is this like the June swoon just like earlier? I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. I hope not. I mean, I like not too. the team, I mean, this current game and not taking advantage of the bases loaded opportunity aside, the team is still playing well overall. Um, I, I know that they lost better. their, I know that they lost a series for the first time this season. On, a bad it was, team. Too. It was going to happen though over the weekend, but like, you know, they were the last, they were the final team that hadn't lost a series yet. Like, it, you know, and they're still by winning, you know, by winning that game, in the double header uh, earlier, they they they're doing what they've been doing all year, which is that which is that they've been avoiding long losing streaks. Yeah, mm. they haven't had a they really haven't had a losing streak this year, which no. is good. On the flip side, they haven't had a winning streak. <laughs> they haven't really had a winning streak either. But they like you know I don't. Oh, but I know I know what you're saying. If you no, keep I'm winning, sorry, they were showing highlights from the Phillies and Padres game. Oh God, no! Harper booted a ball. <laughs> Of course he did. I mean, that's what happens when Bryce Harper has to DH every day. And so you have literally Schwarber and Castellanos both in the outfield. <laughs> oh, my God. So what happens when you make your entire team out of DHs? <laughs> literally the whole team. <laughs> um, but they were just on a winning streak, too. They almost swept the Dodgers. They did almost sweep the Dodgers, yes. Even the good teams, even the good teams lose series. Yes. There you yeah. go. So the Phillies, though, that's not that's not helping Kelly. <laughs> I know. Yeah, blame the Dodgers. You know what? It's the Dodgers and the Phillies, but the Dodgers, let's just say, are a good team. Yeah, I they are. We can all say it. I'd rather a good team. to like the I don't know, like the Reds than the Phillies. Well, well, it's, we, it's we, pretty hard to lose to the Reds right now. <laughs> I mean, we all have to compromise somewhere, Lynn. We yeah. just do. Yeah. I mean, like, it, it, I don't. I don't personally care if the Mets don't have winning streaks as long as they keep winning two out of every three yeah. games. I'm yeah. fine with that. Yeah, right. <laughs> 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Um, the other the other sort of there's other sort of bits of Mets news. Um, the other piece of news we learned today, which is really unfortunate, is that Starling Marte is on the bereavement list because his grandmother died, um, which is especially sad because um, Marte was raised by his grandmother after his mother passed away when he was very young. And then it's also like almost exactly the two year anniversary of his wife's passing. So it's just a, he's just a man who has dealt with a lot of tragedy in his life. And it's like very sad. Um, yeah. And Buck Walter had some, you know, really nice comments about that, about how like, the, you know, the whole team is hurting, like watching him hurt. Um, but it's sad. Um, he'll be back with the team soon. But obviously we wish him and his family the best um during this time and i hope they give him all the time he needs yeah and yeah yeah. and that's i think what show walter said too of diddy i think so i don't i'm not 100 sure on that one but i feel like i believe it was show walter said they like he can take the time he needs let me just source this hang on a second so i think the bereavement brief i think it's only like three days it's three days yeah, yeah but i think just the timing of it wait a minute Because they said it was unexpected was say, that she passed away. It wasn't like she yeah. was sick. Yeah, yeah so I, sure. I think it was unexpected. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure that was a bit of a shock for him. Um, while um, if, while I find, he, if I find that actual quote, I will link, we will tweet it out. We'll link it. Yeah. Um, while Marte is on the bereavement list, um, Steven Nogasek was brought up from AAA to take his roster spot. Um, and then Adonis Medina was the 27th man for today's double header. Um, they also made a roster move like in between the two games, which is that Jake Reed, who pitched very well in the first game, he, he, he had a little bit of a control issue, but he got through it. Um, and he pitched two innings uh, in the in game one. Um, he was sent back down and they brought up the uh, the infielder that we were talking about last podcast. Um What's what's his last name? What's his name? Um, the infielder that they picked up from waivers. Oh, from Toronto. Yeah. Uh, oh my god! Why can't I remember? Why do I always forget his name? And he still looks like he's fine too. Uh, don't ask me. I don't know. <laughs> oh, uh, Ka- uh, Kato. Oh, that- I don't oh, know yeah. if that's how you pronounce his last name. Uh, but that they they name. called him up. Um, so now they have like an extra, uh, position player. Yeah. 
Um, let's see. Is there a pronoun? Go Kato. Kato. Yeah. I'm looking at the pronunciation on BRAP. Kato. But um, so they made a yeah a flurry of those roster moves today. Um, I think that this doubleheader. I mean, they've been playing a lot of doubleheaders, to be fair. Um, but I think that this doubleheader and you know the Mariner series over the weekend are both indicators that the bullpen remains a problem for the Mets, to say the least. Um, DH bullpen and catcher, I think, are their biggest issues right now. Yeah, more or less. I mean, but considering how the bullpens had to come into play this past week, they've held it together. Well, they the both fell apart all at once. Like, yeah, and Chase and Shreve, like, both fell apart at the same they time. They usually, they usually like, uh, like, they usually like concentrate their bad performances into one game at least. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna <laughs> say at least, part. at least it's concentrated and not spread out. I'll take concentrated. Like yeah, because like, like a few bad games over long term. Like, like Lynn said, like Drew Smith and Chase and Shreve both collapsed at the exact same time, uh, which caused issues in the Mariner series. Um, I mean, Drew Smith wasn't going to stay perfect forever. I think that that's, you know, a little bit much (laughs) expecting his ERA to be zero for the year. I wanted him to. I know. I know. It was very fun. Perfect. How dare he? It was very fun while it lasted, uh, but Drew Smith's uh, scoreless inning streak sadly came to an end. And then uh, it was really chasing like the one holding this team together. Like his streak came to an end just as the Mets like winning series streak came to an end. Yeah, it feels like it was all like weirdly tied up in Drew Smith. He's been the glue the entire time. Um, and then Chase and Shreve, it was really like his ERA wasn't zero before, but like it, it was really his first bad week last week. Like he really hadn't had a bad week until last week. Um, but you know, the new guys that have come up in their stead have, or not in their stead, but like, you know, the new guys that have cycled up and down have done very well. Adonis Medina has done well. Steven Nogasek, like, you know, say what you will about, like Steven Nogasek and his past appearances as a Met, but like, you know, he and Trevor Williams really saved the bullpen in that Tyler McGill start where he was injured. Like if it wasn't for them, like the bullpen would have been totally cooked because they both, they each pitched, uh, Trevor Williams pitched three and two thirds scoreless and Nogasek pitched three scoreless innings in that, uh, in that game. I was there in person, sadly (laughs) to witness it. Um, but, you know, they really helped, like, save the rest of the bullpen and gave the Mets a chance, in theory, to try to come back. They didn't really try at all. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it was it was I, that was it impressed me to see. Um, and Colin Holderman pitched a scoreless inning in his major league debut. So it, it's good to see, you know, kind of everyone contributing, even like when other guys have faltered somewhat. Um I was going to say it wasn't his MLB debut today, but Jake Reed did a really nice job for his two innings today. Yep. He sure did. (sighs) And Adonis Medina just had a good inning too. Another, another good outing for Adonis Medina. So we've been seeing a lot of like good um, relief pitching from unlikely sources. So that's been nice. Um, I had stay that way. Yeah, I hope so. I really hope so. Um, But we, we alluded to this a little bit, but I feel like it deserves more attention. We need to discuss Dominic Smith. (laughs) Yeah. heading into today now to be fair he got a couple hits in the first game doubleheader 
But heading into today's games, he was sitting 177 with a 44 Oof. OPS plus. Oof. That's Oof. A, that's bad. He <laughs> hit a home run and I think like, what is it, like 500 at bats or something? Yeah, it's been a My God, very, that- very oh. long time. Yes. Ah. Like very long time. Um, so, I mean, I'm not saying that this is like a reason to say that the that cutting Robinson Cano was the wrong decision. It was still the right decision. And in fact, Cano has been picked up by the San Diego Padres and has not really done anything for them since that. Um, but the Mets really need more from Dominic Smith if they are to be successful. And like, you know, J.D. Davis has been getting more playing time, deservedly so, because like if Dom's not hitting at all, like you have to play J.D. more and they're doing that and he's doing OK. But like the Mets need more out of Dominic Smith. He had a big triple yeah. the other day. He did. He did. It's true. But, um, but I think but the it's, problem it's, was it was they had a flawed plan going into the like they clearly needed another bat. They were one hitter short and that has showed itself already. They like the only time they get production out of the DH spot is when Pete hits there. And then I think they put Francisco Lindor there a couple of times too. And that's the only time they get, they built a team full of DHs and none of their DHs are. Yeah. (laughs) And I I mean, when, and Lindor, the like one game or maybe two games, he's DH, he's hit well in those games too. Um. But, you know, like they had a flawed plan, like they were counting on Cano, Dom and JD as their DH. And that was clearly not the right move. <laughs> it's not. Yeah, oh, no. Does, Injury not, delay. Oh, no. Mouth out of pitch off his foot. Oh, OK. Ugh. I always I always epically panic when I see injury yeah, injury delay. delay. I don't like those words. <laughs> no, no. Like the, the guy came, the trainer came running out, but. Nimmo, I think, waved him off. So he's okay. Fine. Good, 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 good. Um, but yeah, I mean, up until up until this uh this game, uh, Escobar had also been slumping big time, like we said. But he did hit the home run, so hopefully he'll get out of it. I do have more confidence that Escobar will get out of his slump than Dom, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, because like, he's more of a track record. Like Dom, this is going on two years now with Dom. Yep. Yeah, it's been since twenty twenty. Yep. He needs, and I think we all like, I don't like to say it, but I do like, he needs to go down. He needs to, he needs to go down to AAA and work things out and be replaced with who, though? Yeah. That's the whole thing. Nick Plummer. That's, that's the only person who like could possibly be a major leaguer that's not here already. They, they already, uh, they already promoted the guy who was on, who they picked up off waivers. Uh, there's literally no one to replace him that's the thing i think they would have done it already if they had somebody else oh god well they were uh, they were such bad shape they were trying out in canna at first base they were yeah so that shows you what they're thinking yeah like they i i think that they are prepping for life after dominic smith at this point by having canna take grounders at first base because then you could at least maybe move mcneil to the outfield and then play play Diorme at second. Yeah. 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 They could do that. Or play Jankowski more and it's put Ken at first. Just the know. depth of this team is so Bad. thin. I mean they're they're yeah. playing well, but the depth is so thin. So th- it's it's that kind of, kind of thin ice kind of Yeah, the bottom of their lineup craters real fast. 
Yeah. Especially yeah. when you have Nito, Giorme, and Jankowski in the lineup, like it, it gets ugly real fast. <laughs> yeah, it sure does. It sure does. Um, but well, Brandon Nemo, don't ground out, please. And yeah, then he came up good. limping, so he might be more hurt than he was. Oh letting him no! <sighs> it's like that's really bad. The Mets are like really screwed if Nemo's hurt because yeah. he's the only one who's consistently hitting besides Pete, really. Yeah. Um, and he so just th- changes the whole top of the lineup. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. They would be like Big so time. so screwed, so screwed. So that's good. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that, you know, great. Um, yeah, maybe relying on like, you know, an outfield where you don't have a, I mean, uh, I yeah, know they took him out of the game. Yep. Oh, cool. <laughs> Excuse cool. my language. But- yeah. And they did what we said. They moved McNeil to the outfield and you were Mason second. <laughs> oh, no. Do not say you, anything else. You cannot. You cannot. I mean, they've done this a few times, but you cannot have a lineup where Luis Guillorme and Travis Jankowski are in it every day. <laughs> and Tomas Nito. And Tomas Nito. You cannot do that. That seven through nine is like horrific. Well, you might as well have the picture bad at that point. I know. Have like the ground takes him at bats. again. It's wing, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> He'll repop his scapula taking a swing. Please we can't not. do this. Fine. Maybe um, I take him to I know he has a better chance of getting a hit. Um, but yeah, I I don't know. They they're really screwed if Nimmo's hurt for real. I hope this is just like, well, there's no point in like pushing you here, even though it's a one-run game in the eighth. Um, but he played in the earlier he did he did so yeah. that's enough of, that's enough for you <laughs> yeah <laughs> um hopefully you can just put some ice on it and it'll be fine and shake it off rub some um, dirt in it but brandon nimmo is like made of paper mache so i'm highly concerned yeah um so but you know there, there are some other points that i kind of wanted to talk about because i feel like the Mets series against the mariners brought up a lot of discourse about various things especially because i feel like the Mets don't play the Mariners all that much. The last time they played them was in 2017, I think. Um, so, you know, it's been a while. Um, and so, you know, there was, first of all, a lot of uh, a lot of rehashing the Diaz Cano trade because a couple of things happened right before the Mets Mariners series. Number one, the Mets cut Robinson Cano. Uh, so that caused some discourse. And number two, the Mariners ahead of the series sent Jared Kelenic back down to triple a uh, because he was, he, he was playing horribly. Um, and I think that the timing of it is, you know, interesting. Um, I think that they didn't want him to be exposed to the New York media and the New York oh, fans. Totally, totally not. Which and, I think is a good decision. It's a on great, their yeah. It is a fucking phenomenal decision. Please. They would, the New York media would have been all over him. Yeah. They would have asked him. him a million questions about like, do you think that you were worthy to trade for uh, like all this stuff? Like uh, it would have been horrible for him. The poor guy. He's still really young and he's can still be good. He is you 21. Know. Yeah. And just trying to find his way in the major. Like he's struggling clearly. And you know, he doesn't need this extra that has nothing to do with him. Really. Exactly. Yeah. It's just so good on you. Mariners. Smart decision. Ugh. I, I mean, for me, everybody's like going to say this is a bad trade and it's, it's, it's going to be a trade that's talked about for, I think until Kellenic himself is a free agent. Yeah. Um, for real. 
for real. Uh, to me, it's frustrating just because it's done and we can't change it. We can talk about it. Can't change it. So, I mean, personally, I wish him well. I hope he gets over this bout of whatever it is that's going on and reaches his potential because he has a lot of potential. He's he's going to be good if he figures it out. And hopefully he does. Yeah, I, I like and he's young, so he he more than likely will. I, I, I am so weary of of the like rehashing of the trade because again like Kellyanne said we can't change it so even if you hate the trade like please Up cookies you gotta begging it. begging people to move on um I mean like at the time I actually was higher on the trade than most people I didn't necessarily think it was good so I'm not like taking a victory lap here but I kind of thought it was like not terrible um I I understand that the Robinson Cano taking on the Robinson Cano contract hurt the Mets at the time when they were the Will Pond Mets that did hurt them and stop them from spending in other areas. But I don't think that that is a factor anymore. Now, obviously hindsight's 2020 and you wouldn't, you couldn't know at the time of the trade that the Mets were going to be bought by Steve Cohen. And then they would like money would no longer be an object to the extent that it was in the Will Pond era. I understand that, but I think that it makes the trade way less bad now (laughs) because the Mets were clearly willing to eat that sunk cost. Um, And I don't think it had a demonstrable impact on their offseason spending. Um, Can you imagine this bullpen without Diaz right now? So I can't be their closer Lugo. Yes. So, I can imagine it. That's the problem. Yeah, it's not pretty. <laughs> can imagine it, and it's making it's, it's me bit... nauseous. Right. <laughs> and like everybody's like, "Oh yay, I love Narco. It's so fun when he comes in." And then they go back to complaining about the trade. It's like, no, you don't get to enjoy Narco if you're going to complain about the trade. Right. Right. Um, I think like I think the the only like argument that I've heard that I can sort of get behind about this is that like. They had they traded Kellenic like the fact that Kellenic has not panned out yet is not really an indicator of like whether this trade was smart, because at the time that they traded Kellenic, his value was like at an all time high. Right. Yeah. A prospect value. Um, And they they made this trade. And in theory, they could have made a different trade for something better. But it's like then you're just getting into like a million what if scenarios. Yeah. And it's like what alternate trade do you suggest? Like what would have fought, like what pieces would have all fallen into place for that to happen? You know, like, it's just, I don't know. I'm sick of rehashing it. I yeah. love, I love that. Edwin Diaz is on the Mets. Yeah. He's I love Narco. I love that. He's a, like a badass. like, this is the Edwin Diaz, like that we, we were getting. Yes. And yeah, he finally looks like year. it. Yeah. And like, how awesome was he like coming in and like how, I know we've talked about it, but like how dramatic it was. When he was coming in to like shut down the Phillies to like close the no hitter, like, and I could just like picture how electric that could be in the playoffs now, and you know what that could mean, like because he rose to the occasion and he knew, mm-hmm. like he, he was like, I knew I started getting ready in the seventh inning, like he was ready and um and he was so proud of himself. He was like, oh my slider was nasty tonight. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's been like. He seems happier and like more outgoing this year. And, and he has confidence in a yes. way I haven't yes. seen. Um, I think that he's always been confident in his in his stuff because his stuff is really good. It it, is. That's never <laughs> been in pretty. doubt. 
That's never been in doubt since the day he came here. Um, even when he was pitching poorly, the stuff was always nasty. I think that I think that, but I think that he's like really got the swagger on the mound now. Like he struts out there yeah. being like, I am going to shut you down every time. You're mine. It's yeah. awesome. I love to see it from him. And I love to see yeah. him happy because I feel like he's had so like, he's kind of been so like miserable <laughs> as a Met until this point. Not I like mean, he was, he was not much, results wise, just like demeanor. You know, he was, he was much maligned his first year because he wasn't getting results and it just kind of dominoed. Ball was also juiced in 2019, folks. Remember this. Remember how juiced the ball was in 2019. And Edwin Diaz's problems were all pretty much home run related. Yeah. Um, It was kind of like a perfect storm for him, too, which, you know, everybody was already mad about the trade, and which, again, was no fault of his own. The balls were juiced. He was coming from, like, you know, Seattle, which, you know, isn't New York. (laughs) So he was going to, like, a completely different baseball environment. So, like... It was it was probably a hard year for him. Yeah. And I'm glad that he's like he seems to have like finally settled in. Um, And it's it's been great to see. Um, And And he's he's probably extended with you. They they should because they really don't have any. They don't have a choice. No, they don't have a choice. You're a hammer. You sign somebody. And who are they going to sign? Yeah. Lord. All the all the other big closers that have been available of late got like big contracts yeah. and like so they're really I don't think I can't think of like anyone who's gonna be a free See. agent like any major like uh let's check it elite out reliever well how many years did Kenley Jansen sign with the Braves yeah but Kenley Jansen's ancient I know <laughs> <laughs> I no offense to Kenley Jansen and he's having a good year I think he is yeah um but I don't know if I want to like invest my uh my my future and yeah, my closer buddy on him. Yeah. <laughs> How about Araldus Chapman? No. Oh God. Oh God. Sorry. I'm just looking <laughs> at the names. Campbell written. D- oh no, not Diaz. No. Well, yes, Diaz. May. Kimbrel's under contract for. Multiple no, this years. is, this is 2023. Oh, sorry. Oh, um, huh. Um, I thought Kimbrel was bad now. No, he's having a good year again. Oh, is he? Yeah. Um, not my fantasy team. Fulmer, Kennedy, Ottavino again. Unless you try to catch lightning in a bottle. Like, like a half loop. of our bullpen is free free. Yeah, that's the issue. Holy <laughs> shit. I didn't realize this. Yeah. We're losing a lot of players to free agency, a lot of relievers to free agency. And yes, they don't develop. May. Like, I, was it, what, who are, did somebody write an article about how the Lugo Mets have an Williams. issue developing, like, bullpen? Or maybe Allison, you brought it up last week, how they don't develop relievers. Yes, they can't. No. Basically, the Mets have this weird organizational philosophy where Jerry's Familia being the exception, they don't like to give out big contracts to relief pitchers, which is fine if you like. And that's part of why they made this Edwin Diaz trade, because like they saw him as like a young, controllable reliever that they didn't have to invest a ton of money in, um, you know, and and that has, you know, worked out for them that part, at least. Um, but you know, they, they seem to be opposed to giving these like big contracts, like the Liam Hendricks of the world. Like they seem to be opposed to giving like big, big closers, like a lot of money. Um, and I, I think that's fine as a philosophy, you know, relievers are volatile. I understand why you wouldn't want to 
pour lots of money into that aspect of your team, fine. But then you have to develop them and the Mets can't do that either. So then they're just like stuck in this weird place where all their relievers become free agents every off season and they let Aaron loop walk and then they have to like find another Aaron loop. Like (laughs) that's what they do every year. So they give out a bunch of one-year deals to a bunch of relief pitchers and then they walk and then they have to get new ones. I want Luke back. I miss the Bush Lights. He's having a great year, too, for the Angels. Of course. He has like a one Good for him, though. Good for Luke. Yeah, I like Luke. I mean, I don't begrudge him anything because, again, like dragging your feet, hiring a GM, who knows what the lasting consequences were of that. Yep, for sure. Syndergaard mentioned it. Yeah, I mean, it was signed elsewhere. Loop signed elsewhere. Who it's the reason. I mean, it's the reason Noah Syndergaard's not on the Mets today. And I mean, like you can argue whether that's good or bad, but it (laughs) it is the reason. I mean, like, I think, you know, at the beginning of his last start. Yeah, I think at the beginning of the season, most of us would have said that it's bad, but I'm not sure if they I I, I don't think they get Scherzer and Bassett if Syndergaard's still on the Mets. So I think. Would you rather have either Scherzer or or Bassett and Syndergaard, or would you have rather have Scherzer and Bassett? I think I take option B. And the, um, and the other thing with this is that it's a one year deal that Syndergaard's on for the Angels. There's like no option or no? no options. It's okay. surely a one year deal. This is like to me the walk year deal that he didn't get because he had Tommy John last year. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And uh, I mean, like people need to stop, like being pissed at him for that comment, which was innocuous and may or may not have been related to the Mets. Who knows? Who cares? I think it was. Oh, it 100 percent was. I think it was. I I don't really care. (laughs) That's the whole. Yeah. See, like I was like on the outside of this. I heard I was like, okay, whatever. Who cares? It's a comment. Um, Noah Syndergaard, like. He's always mouthed off. Exactly. Yeah. Like He's I've, I've seen off. a lot of Mets fans like suddenly like turn on him because of because of this. And I'm like, he has Yo, you guys he has literally been always like this. This is yeah. what he's You're literally saying. Like. It's OK because he's on the Mets. But when he's right. not, it's, it becomes like a great sin. Yep. That it's exactly it. Like it really is that it's really yeah. like you like him when he's on your team and you hate him when he does the exact same thing when he's on another team. Um, I don't. I don't mind it. Like, I'm not mad at him about I mean, I think it was silly, but I I don't I'm not like angry at him about it. Like, whatever. He can think what he wants to think. I don't particularly care because he's not on the Mets anymore. Although for the the moment, Jesse Winker loves us. Oh, my God. No, I love that. So I was good. That's another thing I was going to bring up from the Mariners series this weekend, (laughs) which is that a couple of a couple of sort of. Well, Jesse Winker didn't emerge as a villain. He was already sort of a a Mets villain, villain, but I feel like he like fully cemented himself in Mets lore as like a Mets villain. Um, but the fun version, like the, the, I like this version of a little like villain rivalry story. Like he and embraces it harmless. and he it's, makes it fun. Yeah. I was like, and it, I was very irritated by Tacoma's article calling him like a super villain and in the legacy of um, Chase Utley. And who is the other one? Chipper Jones. Jones. Chipper Jones. He's not Thank like you. those guys. No, no I don't not. like no. him. I don't, don't, don't even compare him to Chase Utley, who literally like broke a player's anybody. leg and, just... and did his career. 
I would, I would never <sighs> put them in the same like stratosphere. I, I like baseball hate Jesse Winker. Cause he's like good against the Mets, but I like, and he hate, plays it up. I hate yeah. Chase Utley on such a visceral this, human yeah, level. Yeah. Like I hate his whole being as a person. Yeah. <laughs> like Winker, Winker makes baseball fun. Let's just say yeah. that Freeman. Like Jesse Winker rules. I like, I mean, like I hate what he's doing against the Mets, but he rules. Like it's so fun. Like him waving at the fans and, the fans. Yeah. and them waving back like, and them waving back. And he said, he literally said about Mets fans, I'm going to be honest with you. I love them. They're an amazing group of people. (laughs) They are very passionate about their team and their city. This thing we've got going on is special. They're fun. So both sides understand that this is fun. That's what makes it good. Yeah. And which baseball is supposed to be. That's the whole thing. And that's, I feel like that's also... Freeman ha- doesn't like play into it as much, but that's how I felt with Freddie Freeman. Like I loved to hate Freddie Freeman because he was so freaking good. I think Freddie Freeman's a much closer comparison to yeah. Jesse Winker because like, yeah. he's a very likable guy. He doesn't, he's not actually a jerk. He's just very good against the Mets. And that's yes. what Jesse Winker is turning into. It's going to be way less of a like thing than Freddie Freeman because Freddie Freeman was in the same division for yeah. many years. Um, and so, you know, he had a lot it's more. Just- at bats makes, against the Mets than Winker is going to have, but still, it's very. It fun. just ma- it makes baseball fun. Yeah, yeah it does. Don't These don't put, don't put him fun. in the same category as Chase Utley, please. No, in a world in a world full of Chase Utley's, be a Jesse, be a Jesse Winker, be a Jesse Winker. Yes. <laughs> this might be the title of the podcast. Yes, yes that is the title that. of this episode. <laughs> Absolutely, in a world of be Chase Utley's, be a Jesse Winker. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> the, the other guy that like, I wouldn't, I would want to say villain in the same way, but the other guy who's kind of like rehashing some stuff with the Mets was Paul Seawald this weekend. I, this came out of nowhere. It did me. come out of nowhere. So this was very weird. So Paul Seawald had a good series in the Mariners series and was, and contributed to, to, you know, the Mariners winning two out of three for the Mets, which good for him. Um, you know, but he seemed to really, really enjoy sticking it to the Mets more than like I expected. Like this, this makes me want to know what went on behind the scenes. I know. Like he made this like very weirdly personal in a way that I don't understand. So he, and, and he gave it, and it's not just like, you know, stuff he did on the field. Although he did do a little, like, I guess like he did a little like um, gesture, like the, when he came off the mound in what, what game was, that? I think it was the Sunday game yeah, when he came, was, yeah. when he came off the mound, he did like a little gesture at the fans, like a can't hear you. Like, you know, when like fans boo and it's like, like he puts his like hand to his ear, like can't yeah. hear you keep booing me like that sort of thing. He did that, but, which first of all is like way out of character for Paul Seawald. I never expected like him to do something like that. Like he's just some were random the fans actually booing that's no. the thing that's like, the no. thing they like, weren't the fans have literally done nothing the, the, they weren't booing him like I, maybe maybe there were a small smattering of booze but nothing like nothing major at all and like because literally nobody cares because nobody cares and he gave this interview where he talked about how like badly he was treated in New York and how Again. the fans booed him all the time. And I just, I do not what remember what revi- that. What revisionist history is this? It's very weird to but me. Also, he was bad. He was bad on the Mets. Okay. So like, I, I now putting myself in Paul Seawald's shoes, 
I totally understand. And I would say this about any player. I totally understand wanting to stick it to your former team who like, you know, didn't really believe in your abilities. Like he was bad on the Mets. The Mets gave up on him and he is good now. And he should be like, yeah, you know, so what Mets? I'm good now. But that's like about like, you know, the front office. That's not about the fans. Like, yeah, I, that's about the organization. And also, so like th- there's kind of two levels to this. Everyone in the organization that was like responsible for like, you know, not like Paul Seawald not using his slider enough or whatever, like adjustments that the Mariners made that made him into a better pitcher. Like all those people are gone now. Like this is like a new set of people. So first mm-hmm. of all, you're like sticking it to the Mets and all the people who like you know, mishandled you or like didn't allow you to like fulfill your potential or whatever are gone. And the fans like didn't didn't boo him the way that he insinuated. I don't I think that say, that's like, true. If anybody got it worse, it was Edwin Diaz. Seriously. Right. Got booed. I just like I don't understand Paul Seawald reacting this way. No Mets fan felt any type of way about Paul Seawald. I assure you, <laughs> like he was a middling, random middle reliever who was mediocre. Like well, no one had feelings. What I wrote about him for Baseball Perspectives, he's basically Emmett from the Lego Movie. Like, but he looks <laughs> like a plain face Lego and just like ultimately forgettable. I wrote, a, I, I, I wrote really, a short relief for baseball prospectus about remember when Paul Seawald got his first major league win and it, he went like the longest like that yes, anyone yes. had ever gone without getting a win. Um, and I, I wrote about that because it's actually exceptional. Like it's not and it's not that he was you kind of have to be extraordinarily ordinary to go that long without getting a win because you have to be involved. You have to be involved in a bunch of like, like games where you didn't factor into the decision and you have to be like bad enough that you never get wins, but good enough that you stay on major league rosters. So it's like, it's like the perfect level of mediocrity to have to go, to go that long without getting a major league win. It's true. And so I wrote an entire short relief about how like he was remarkably unremarkable. And that's what I still like. That's why I always thought about him. I never like, I never like was angry with him or felt any sort of vitriol towards him for being bad. He was a dude. He was a guy that pitched on the Mets. Who's and good for him for being good now. I'm not trying to begrudge him his success. Just, this just is so weird to me. And I, it just, I want to know what the hell happened behind the scenes. Yeah. I feel like something must have happened because, like, just on the basis of like what we know from the outside as fans, like that, that reaction came completely out of left field for me. Yeah. Well, I know he was good for a little while. And then he got, I know. Ugh. Was I can't remember if it was Terry or if it was Mickey Callaway. He was like got into their circle of trust and then started getting put in like more and more high leverage situations. And then he couldn't handle it. And they're like, well, that's what happens is when you rely on him too heavily, he fell apart. And like, so he was given a chance, but then it just, it all went bad and it went bad quickly. Yeah. Like, I mean, good for him. Good for him for turning it around. He's a very good relief pitcher now. And I, I'm happy for him. He deserves it. Good. 
great. The Mariners figured something out about him that the Mets didn't figure out because the Mets are bad at this and the Mariners are better at this. Cool. Yes. Awesome. We acknowledge this. It's very much the and I tweeted this, but it's very much the Mad Men meme. The like, I feel bad for you. I don't think about you at all like that. (laughs) That means that's exactly what this is. Yeah, exactly what this is. And it was just I just found it very the whole thing. Very bizarre. (laughs) There must be a reason. So, like, you know, I I wonder if there's like something that went on, but it was just it was very bizarre. (laughs) All those people are gone. Yeah, all those people are gone. So even if he was wronged in some like substantial way by the Mets organization. And trust me, I would not be surprised if that were the case um, because the but Mets organization has wronged a lot of people in its history. Um, you know, it's weird to a like project that onto the fan base and b like talk about that. Talk about this when all those people who who might have been responsible for that are probably gone now. Well, it's like nobody slandered him on the way out the door, which the Mets are also good for. Known to do. Like they just cut him and that was the end of it. Very weird. But anyway, Paul Seawald's not likely to pitch against the Mets again anytime soon. So this will no longer be a story. Like Um, I miss Luke more than I miss him. Like I literally don't think. (laughs) Oh, I miss Aaron. I totally forgot he was on the team until this was mentioned. (laughs) I mean, like. Yeah. But even. Yeah, it's weird. Um, but what very much is a story that I I do feel like mentioning briefly. We we made this a very Mets heavy episode because there wasn't much like baseball wide news going on. Uh, and so, you know, we're not going to have like much in the way of a baseball segment this week. But one thing um, that did come up today before we were started recording um, is that Matt Harvey was suspended for 60 games for distributing oxycodone um, in the Tyler Skaggs incident, um, which there has been, I mean, this, this suspension was coming. We talked about it when he, when Harvey first testified, um, and, you know, media outlets reported it that like, you know, him saying this stuff means he's going to get suspended, um, cause he's basically like outing himself. Um, and I, I've, I've seen some discourse from people on Twitter being like, this is gonna, you know, discourage players from telling the truth in the future about this and being candid about it. Um, and that's going to have like very harmful effects. Um, and I, I sympathize with that point of view and I agree with it to a certain extent, but I don't know what the alternative is. Like you can't not punish Harvey for his role in this. I don't know, but it's still kind of gross that it was, um, this was like, I don't want to say like, but, it was a major league club that had who's at fault here. Like they're yes. the ones that fostered this culture and he got wrapped into it. It wasn't like he was doing it on, I mean, he might've been doing some other things on his own, but um, it, the, the oxycodone was a major league baseball's team's culture. And now you're punishing him for getting wrapped up in a culture you fostered. Yes. And I mean, so like, that's where I get, it, it gets icky for me. And I mean, the guy, the guy was convicted. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So like he was punished as well. Yeah. Um. But I think and I, and I think that like, you know, Matt Harvey is not the only player who was involved here, I'm sure. But yeah. like he was the only one compelled to testify about he's the it. only one they know about. So what, mm. what, what can they do? I mean, like he's he is it, it is objectively true that he is falling on the sword here for multiple people, probably. 
um, which is that, unfortunate. I mean, but, that's not true. But let's say Mike Trout had to testify. Would they have suspended him? Yeah, or is it because Matt Harvey would have to. It would have to. I don't know. Like Matt but Harvey's it, it, like not a star and easier to suspend than like Mike Trout would be. Well, okay, no, I'm not gonna. I'm not. Even, I'm not gonna make the comparison because it's apples and oranges right now. But there is another star that was just. Um, just received a very long suspension. Yeah, who is yeah. appealing it? But, but they had evidence for against him. No. Yeah, but, but there's but, but if there's, Trout, if Trout, yeah, for example, or any other player testified and said this, you know, in the court of law, like you know, having been sworn to tell the truth and nothing but the truth, like and this and this that is, is evidence. That's, that's evidence. True. And apparently, I cannot confirm this. But that testimony was given in exchange for criminal immunity. Yeah. Yes, correct. So, so Matt Harvey is not going to go to jail for having illegal drugs, distributing illegal drugs. So he's not he, it's kind of like he's not getting charged. But you know what? This is still he still has to face some sort of work punishment. Yeah, exactly. And and this and That's the same goes for the same goes for, you know, for he who shall not be named and domestic abusers in general, like. They don't, as we have seen, they don't always go to jail. In fact, they more often than not do don't go to jail. Um, I'm but glad I'm not going to be on the episode next week just because that appeals next Monday. But uh, it doesn't mean that they aren't going to be punished by Major League Baseball. Yeah. Um, because the standards are different for being punished by the law and being punished by Major League Baseball. Um, I I think it. I, it I, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. Mm. It makes me sad. That's like yeah. all I can say about yeah. it. Like, was it like, is the, is the consequence, is the punishment wrong? I don't know, but it makes me sad. Yeah. It's what it is. It's just a sad situation all around. It's, it's upsetting. It's I mean, sad. The Matt Harvey story is tragic. It's yeah. just a tragic I mean, story. I think from a certain point, it's sad, but at the same time, it could be a lot worse for him. He could be in jail. Yeah. Even worse, he could be dead. Yeah. He could be dead. Like his team. Oh, yeah. Like so that. 60 games of a major of of a career. I mean, and his career obviously has cratered. I, I was going to say That's, like this, this like to, might to end me, his career. I was, was going to say to me, too. the second he tested, I was like, he's just kind of admitting the end of his career here. Yeah, I Not do think that he I do think that that was in the back of his mind. Like if I if I if I testify here, that could I'm end done. my career. But he didn't have an option. He was subpoenaed, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, he I was subpoenaed. So. But I think there was there was also something in there where he wouldn't be criminally charged. Yeah, I don't I don't know. See, I don't know. I'm speculating on that because I'm not 100 percent sure of the specifics. Um, oh, boy. Sorry, sorry. That's probably this, this was serious business, and I was watching the game. Oh my god, it's a pass ball! Holy shit! <laughs> oh, I, you're I way like, oh. behind. They're way past the pass ball now. Okay, no, Shoosh. I just <laughs> in play runs. In play comma runs. In play runs. In play yes. runs. <laughs> we love it. in play runs. Tied. Good. Oh, oh my yes, god! We'd love to see that, Eduardo saw, Escobar, ladies and gentlemen. I saw Eduardo, Eduardo Escobar. Escobar strikes out swinging. It was like frick. They just like wasted another guy on base, but passed ball. 
Oh boy, we folks. See it. We got it. At least they don't roll over and die. They, they don't do. give up no. ever. They don't give up. Yeah. Even that like, that Sunday game in the Mariners series, they they lost the game, but they almost oh, won. They almost <laughs> won. Yeah, I still want to I still want to kick Pete Alonzo on the butt for that game. For that I want to kick I know. That yeah, was I'm a rough strike out. A pass. See, I'm going to give Marte a pass because his at bat was actually the more brutal one, I think. It kind of was See, in some ways, was, but in some ways, but to me, Alonzo's was much worse because if, if Marte had stood there with the bat on his shoulder, two of those those pitches were legit legitimate strikes. Marte was swinging like they were frustrating in different ways. Marte yeah. was missing, was missing pitches. He should have covered because yeah. he fouled yeah. off a pitch that was like a meatball that he should have yeah. like hit. And that that was, he should have hit in the gap. So that was frustrating because Marte was just like not covering pitches. He should cover. And then, but then Pete obviously swung at ball four. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, he swung I- at like, he swung at at least three balls. Yes. Yeah. Like I yes. love, Pete. I was, like, I was like seeing the chart on game day. I'm like, he's just pumping you slider. Stop. Just put your back on your shoulder. Like I love Pete. He's a, he's a doll. I love that. You know, he just loves baseball and you know, part of his emotions make him lovable, but at the plate, he just gets so overamped. And he gets amped. Days. I think. Yeah. And like, the thing is, is his plate discipline overall has improved a lot. Yeah, like he's walking no a lot more this year. Yeah. But yeah, he just had a good. His last at bat was like really good. Yeah, you know, I think it did. He didn't land on base. But, but in big situations out. like that, like base is loaded, you're down one, and like a walk forces inning. in the tying run. Like he just gets so jumpy. He's like, I want to be the hero. He wants to. He no, wants to hit a grand slam. Like, yeah, he well, Yeah, he wants to be the hero and. But don't worry about being the hero. Yeah, just get it to the next take, guy. Like we said, take the walk. The game. Take, yeah. take walk. the walk. Like, You'll still like be a kid. hero. Like, um, uh, Pete the cat. He wanted a hit, but he knew a walk was good too. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to Pete the Pete cat. The cat. <laughs> you almost want to like meld, like you want to like meld Brandon Nimmo and Pete Alonzo into one perfect hitter because Brandon Nimmo and Brandon Nimmo's getting better, much better in this regard. And I think that's part of why he's having such an incredible year. Um, please don't be injured um, because yeah. he, he used to toward the beginning of his career. He would take the walk even when the situation called for a hit. Yes. Like he would be yeah. too patient, too yes. patient and not jump on pitches right down the heart of the plate because he was looking for a walk every time. And now I think he's a lot more balanced as a hitter. Um, so you kind of need a little bit more Brandon Nimmo and Pete Alonzo. You need a little bit more of Pete Alonzo and Brandon Nimmo. And then they'd be like the perfect hitter. Yeah. But anyway. Um, so we will end the show this week. Like we always do with walk-off wins where each of us talks about something that is making us happy this week, baseball related or otherwise. I know what both your walk-off wins are without <laughs> even having to look in the show notes. Um, so we'll start with Linda Surovich this week. Cause I know that you've been chomping out the bit this whole episode to do your walk-off win. What ha- Did anything like important or big mm, happen? I don't know. No, mm. it's a normal week. It's a normal week. Just chill. To cool. totally chill, nothing happened. <laughs> it was literally left. chill. Huh? It was chilly. It was chilly. Like, like ice. Like yeah. ice. It was quite icy. Wasn't like it? cold <laughs> as ice. Oh my god! Especially after last week, I wanted to like jump out my window because I was like so depressed. And yeah, well, if I mean, I'm, I'm wearing my Ranger shirt, like um, <laughs> so. 
they were lo- obviously I don't know well, people don't know uh, follow hockey probably but they were losing you have to win four it's not like baseball if every every series is best of seven and um they played horrible um like the worst like statistically one of their worst playoff games they've ever played in like game four I think um so they were down three to one in the series and I was like this is it it's over um you know and I'm so mad so mad because Pittsburgh fans were just being so awful to them especially their poor goalie poor Igor he did nothing to them and they were just being awful. And then they like they just kept like serenading him. And then the Pirates started doing it. And the Pirates fans were playing the Dodgers. And it's like, what are you doing? Leave this poor guy alone. And like he looks like a sad puppy, like anyway, when he said, and then this just took it to like like a whole nother level. Like he looks like he just wanted to crawl into a hole and die because they, he got pulled out of the game and they still started chanting. And it's like, he's out of the game. Go, go cheer on your own goalie. So they were just being mean to him for no reason. And then they came back home. So they won game five with my darling Phil. Oh, I love Phil. Phil got the game winning goal, Filipino. Um, so then they staved off elimination for game five. Then they would go back to Pittsburgh for game six. And then of course they were serenading Igor again and he got an assist. He had a perfect pass and to set up a goal. And it's like, ha, take that. They shut, they finally shut them up real quick. And then of course they scored right after that. But then with a minute left and Kreider scored, who I recently realized has good JD Davis face. And I've totally not made the connection. (laughs) Like I should have been following Kreider face this whole time. And I wasn't (laughs) because he's not a goofball like at all. But then when he gets on the ice, like his celebrations are just like this release of like emotion and, it's a, he gets a good J.D. Davis face out of it. And so then, of course, game seven was Sunday for all the marbles. And it was at the Garden. And of course, and the Mets win. And it, I've always, it's always bothered me because, like, in smaller cities, like, you see, like, a lot of interaction with their teams. And in New York, you can't do that because, you know, there's there's always two, two teams. So you kind of have to, like, cover everybody. So it was nice. To see, like, the Mets were at the game. There were Jets at the game. There were Giants at the game. There were Knicks at the game. So it just kind of felt like the whole city was, like, behind them and, like, rooting for my guys. And, um, and like, Lindor, uh, Adam Fox is their best defenseman. He won the best defenseman award last year. So he's literally the best defenseman in the league. And um, he's from Long Island, and he grew up a Mets fan. He grew up a Rangers fan, so... Him and Lindor changed jerseys last year. So then Lindor wore his Fox jersey. And I was like, yes, he still has it. He remembered it. I was like, yes, I loved seeing that. And um, so, so then, of course, it goes to overtime, which I did not want because game one went to overtime, two overtimes, and I wanted to die the entire time. And, you know, another thing that bothered me, too, is that in the Pittsburgh Zoo, they have penguins. And I was delighted by the penguins. And now I feel used because I'm like, now I know why there were penguins in the Pittsburgh Zoo. (laughs) 
I'm like, you know, it makes sense. And I'm like, and I'm so delighted about these penguins. And I feel like I was misled. Like, and then I don't like pirates fans either for randomly chanting Igor for no reason. So the pirates are off my list. <laughs> but, but all was well because the Rangers won in overtime. And Kellyanne, it was Panarin who got the game winning goal. It was bread. I watched it. I watched game seven. It's the first full hockey game I've ever watched on TV. He's one of the three players I know. <laughs> and all no, wait. And all of hockey, I actually think I only know five. And the fifth one is only because he pops up in like crosswords and quizzes so much. Does he I still did. actually play? Or no, is he, it simply was retired? <laughs> I, I believe he's retired, Bobby Orr. Oh yeah, he's well retired. Okay. Well retired. Well. I don't know these things. I don't follow hockey. The only ones I know are Bobby Orr, who I, I just know just from Quasters. Um, Wayne Gretzky. Retired. Retired, I know, but that was like a, me. That was like our growing up guy. Um, Linda's going to kill me right now. Yeah. Sidney Crosby. Um, Henry, I'm going to pronounce his last name incorrectly. Henrik Lundqvist. 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 Hey, my Henrik. Retired. And, <laughs> retired. And Breadman. Yes, and the Breadman. Bread and uh, and Ovechkin's still kicking around, right? Ovechkin's still yes, Ovechkin I don't know who that is. I don't he's know on the Caps. I don't know who that is. He's, a, I, he's like one of the only hockey players I know that's not a Ranger because he's very famous. I, basically, the only non-Ranger players I know are like Crosby and Ovechkin. Yeah, yeah, like that's pretty much who everybody knows is Crosby and Ovechkin. But uh, yeah, so somebody, Scott Van Pelt from ESPN tweeted like, there's nothing like a game seven overtime in hockey because like either your joy or devastation, like there's no warning. It just like, it's all of a sudden like you're either really happy or really sad. Like there's really nothing like it. Cause in football, you see them, like you got to drive down the field and basketball, you could like, you know, I guess the game winning shot, but again, it's like over time you're building up points. and you play the whole yeah. period of time. And yeah. And in and baseball, like each, just, each yeah. team gets a chance. I mean, yeah. you can, yeah, baseball has walk-offs, but like, you know, each team does get a chance. Whereas yeah. like, in hockey and and sometimes in soccer. So they so soccer is so weird because they they change the this rule all the time, whether they have golden goal or not in overtime in like mm. overtime. Um, so like they they have in certain tournaments in certain years done golden goal where if you score, it's over. And it, sometimes they decide that they don't want to do that and you just play like two 15 minute overtimes or whatever, and then you go to penalties um after that. Um but I think it's much more exciting when you do golden goal. Yeah. And that's how it is in hockey. Oh, it's also my heart level. Like, Very stressful. Though. When they got the penalty, like they drew a penalty. So they're on the power play. And I'm sitting there like, oh, my God, they got to score here. They got to score. <laughs> shoot, it. shoot the ball. Oh, my God. Keep it in the zone. Get it. Keep it shooting. <laughs> like sweating. My back was hurting, like physically shaking, like about to vomit. Um, and then, but then you, it just, you, you, it's just a big release of emotion. Like I have no clue. Like I had to go back and rewind the call because they didn't even hear the call. Cause I, I swear my neighbors must've thought I was getting murdered. Like I just kept screaming <laughs> over and over and over. And then, um, well, I did the cops come. No, thankfully. <laughs> so then I think you're good. <laughs> yeah. And then I started 
crying. And then I was like, <laughs> Panarin did. He had a really bad series, like really bad. And he was good in game two that they won. And then after that, he was, he was not good. He was and so I was happy. Year. Was he not on that dirty play? That was this year, right? What, what dirty play? No, that he, was, that was, he wasn't, he didn't do anything dirty. No, no, no. He was the one that was done dirty. Oh yeah. Right, last year. That, oh, that was last year. Okay. It was, yeah, like, that I was, think last it was the Capitals year, yeah. player. I think. I don't yeah. Know. Yeah. I don't remember. Reason. Yeah. Yeah. So, but he was, he was good this year. He had like a career year. I mean, he, it was weird. He had like a weird year for him. Like he had, it took him a while to get going. And then once he did, he was good. And then ended up having a career year. So it was like, he, even when he's bad, he's still good. But during the playoffs, he was, he was not good. Um, and then, so then I was, I was happy that it was finally him. And then he's seeing Pete's of, uh, Instagram and going, shoot, shoot that. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> him yelling. This. It was so funny. <laughs> and then Donovan Mitchell was there too. Who's also at the Met game tonight. And like, he posted him going, shoot. Cause that's like what everybody does. And, um, so, you know, now they, they're going to play a team who's that really good. And so I don't know if they're going to be able to hang with them, but just to beat the Penguins, who I hate so much because then Crosby <laughs> first had to whine about it because he was like, because on the game tying goal, because they scored with like five minutes left, the game tying goal, because of course they had to really like ratchet up the suspension and make me want to die the entire time. Um, somebody lost their helmet. And the rule says you can put your helmet back on if you're away from the play. But this guy decided to go to the bench instead, which made the Penguins like down a player. And then the Rangers ended up scoring. But it's like, but he didn't know the rule. <laughs> That's not on the Rangers. So fast. he's like, it was a dumb rule. And it's like, but you read the rule wrong. Are we saying there were bad fundies? There were bad fundies. Uh-huh. Yeah. Bad fundies. And then, so then Crosby was crying about it. It's like, it's not their fault. <laughs> like, he should have known the rule that he could have put his helmet back on instead of going to the bench. And just like, what? I and love he- how so very, pa- like, your passion is transferring over to me who watches no hockey at all whatsoever. And now I want to see the Rangers win. I enjoyed, I enjoyed watching game seven. It was like the perfect amount of like, I cared that I wanted the Rangers to win, but I wasn't so invested that it was stressful. So it was just like a highly enjoyable experience. I was like, oh, this game's really exciting. <laughs> well, oh, look, like, they won. Well, and even Nimmo today was like, it was really cool being there. And he was like, and I love that energy. And I hope we can bring that to like the city field later this year. And I'm like, yes, yes. I hope you do get inspired, Brandon, because I want to hear that again. And what also kills me too is my darling Igor Shesterkin too. He had, like, he always looked up to Lundqvist as a kid. Like Lundqvist was his favorite player. He's a goalie because of Lundqvist, and now he's in the playoffs and he still has a Lund- He has a picture of Lundqvist on his helmet, like he has Lundqvist in his design Aww. on his helmet. So the fact that he's doing this with Hank still there, and I'm like, and Lundqvist is in the post game, like he's their he's their analyst now. So it's like I've kind of like finally made my peace that you know Hank isn't there anymore, but is still involved, and and now it's like we have the perfect perfect like I don't want to say replacement like heir. We'll say he's the heir to the throne. Um, So it was. It was just, and I can wear 
wear my pierogi shirt because like I said I was mad at the pirate fans but and I have my pierogi shirt that I love and I was like I'm gonna have to burn my pierogi shirt now so I'm at so pierogies did not do this so no so the pierogies are safe I can wear my pierogi shirt and now I'm tomorrow is game one of the next series. So maybe next week, I, you talk to me next week and what my mood is. Yeah, we'll figure it out. <laughs> meanwhile, <laughs> meanwhile, know. in the Mets game, we were having the Joely Rodriguez experience very strongly. It's not going well. well um, he's out and now Ottavino's in. Yeah, so. Ottavino's in. I, and Nolan Aronona's up. And oh, God. This is, of course, how this is going to end. That's a course of this is going to end. Um, anyway. Let's not talk about that. Um, <laughs> Kellyanne Healy, what is your walk-off win for this week? My walk-off win is that I finished my first year of graduate school. Yay! My first year of my second go-around of graduate school, I should say. 4.0 GPA. Yay! Um, and lots of good opportunities and ideas and fun stuff. And Yay. I'm very happy that I get a little break between now and my next course, which actually is not going to be too bad. Because it's absolutely relevant to everything that I'm doing in my job right now. So that's great. That but we never good. doubted you, Kelly. We knew you could do it. I appreciate that. Because I always doubt myself. No, never. <laughs> okay. Of course. But yes, I'm keeping mine short and sweet. First year of grad school in the books. Put Done. it in the books. Yeah. Done. Well, we need Howie to come in and like. Yeah, lay it down. <laughs> Oh, he's on cameo. We should get you a cameo. No. Oh my God. That would be just, so funny. Just get like that sound effect, like where we can press a button and the voice comes out. <laughs> um, my walk off win is not nearly as epic as either of yours, but it's a nice one. Um, Michael and I over the weekend, we went to go see um, my favorite podcast uh, besides ours, of course. Um, <laughs> it's called it's called The Dollop. Um, it's a history podcast with two comedians, um, Dave Anthony and Gareth Reynolds. Um, and it's a very funny, very funny history podcast. Basically, like the idea is that Dave reads a story from American history and Gareth doesn't know ahead, ahead of time what the topic is going to be. Um, so basically like Gareth is learning things as Dave is reading <laughs> and they like, and they're both like kind of improv comedians or stand-up comedians. So they will like riff off things, like pretend they're the characters and do little skits and stuff like that. And it's just a very good podcast and very funny. Uh, and I love it a lot. Um, and I always learn something from it, which is great. Um, so they did a live show here in DC and Michael and I went, um, and it was about Warren G Harding's presidency, uh, <laughs> which was very funny. Um, if people don't know about Warren G uh -huh. Harding, he is considered by many to be the worst president in U S history. Um, I mean, that might've been surpassed by a recent president, but Who also shall not be named. Yeah. But you know, at least up until then, he was kind of considered by historians to be the worst U.S. president. There's a, it's a pretty subjective metric. There's a lot of ways that you can like measure that. But, you know, he, he was a president in the 1920s. Enough said. Enough said. Uh, there was a lot of corruption in, in his administration, a lot of scandals. Um, and like the thing that I learned from this podcast that I didn't know about him before was that he had, um, let's just say, a lot of extramarital affairs. Oh, yeah. And some of them with women. A lot younger than him. Oh, Lord. oh yeah. A lot younger than him. Gross. Mm. To a gross degree. Very Aww. gross. Um, but yeah, so it, but it was like, you know, it was hilarious. A great, a great show. We had a great time. Um, and that's my walk-off one for this week. Woo! Um, 
So yeah, as we as we hand things off to Adam Ottavino in a tie in a tie game in the ninth inning with two men on and one out, um, yeah. we'll end the show this week. Uh, <laughs> you can go to amazingavenue.com, check out all of our fantastic content, game recaps, morning news posts. I have weekly meters. We have analysis pieces, all of that good stuff for you. Check it out at Amazing Avenue. You can follow Amazing Avenue on Twitter. Facebook and Instagram at Amazing Avenue. You can follow this show on Twitter at a pod of their own. You can follow Linda and I on Twitter. I am at Petite PhD. Where are you, Linda? At Linda Surovich. You can find Kellyanne in the Amazing Avenue comments. You should go look for her there. And, and look for her burner. We're still have to get. Yeah, to find also burner. find her burner. <laughs> Try and find it. You won't. It doesn't find exist. it. Uh, it literally does not exist, guys. It doesn't. I'm not just saying that. Um, you can email. You can email the show aa dot a pod of their own at gmail.com. We always love hearing from you guys. Please subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. The original intro and outro music. To this podcast is by Bunga. Let's go Mets. And don't forget, there is no crying in podcast.